You've turned on Sexy Marriage Radio, where the best sex is happening in the marriage bed. This episode is brought to you by CovenantSpice.com, the fun, safe, and affordable way for Christian couples to take their sex life to the next level. Here are your hosts, Dr. Corey Allen and Shannon Efridge. So I think it's worth just starting right in because one of the things that I love doing is, is you know, I'm the techno geek of the show. So, you know, we've had feed issues in the last couple of months, and I apologize for that. Some of those are my own. Some of those are just, yeah, that's just the technology world. But the other thing is I love kind of just being aware of what I, what's being said about our show. You yeah. Know, what, what, what kind of feedback are we getting? Because we get a lot of emails at feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. And we love it. And, but we also get people to jump on iTunes and leave comments and five-star reviews because that helps us climb the charts. And so those of you that have done that, thank you. Mm-hmm. Those of you that have not, hey, give Sexy Marriage Radio a Christmas present by jumping on there and giving us a review, giving us a comment, because that, that helps us just climb the charts. We want this message to go as far as we can. Yeah, and if you want to give us an even bigger Christmas present, consider jumping on board with the Bed Buddy Club. Well done. Yeah, uh, you can join at $10 a month. That's the French Kiss Club, or $40 a month, and that's the Foreplay Club, or $69 a month makes you a member of the 69 Club, and we will send you all kinds of goodies in exchange just to express our thanks for yep. helping us spread the word. Absolutely, but here's here's the, the comment that was left on iTunes not too long ago that just says, I love this show and the topics it tackles. I've tried a lot of sexuality and relationship shows. None of them seem to hit re- reality like Se- Sex and Marriage Radio does. Frank, honest discussions about marriage and sex. This is how this show is what society needs more of. Not porn stars and pop queens talking about meaningless sex. And I know exactly what shows they're talking about there. Um, <laughs> true passion, true passion between a connected husband and wife. This is what sex should be. And I think mm-hmm. that just captures exactly what our, our vision for Sexy Marriage Radio is. True Absolutely. passion and connection between husband and wife. That's what mm-hmm. sex should be. Yep. To strengthen the marriage and to strengthen the family, to strengthen society. Yep. That's what it's all about. And that, Because that does then spill over. If you've got true connection between husband and wife, that makes a better connection with your kids. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about things like today we're talking about one of those. Really? They're, you're doing a show on that. <laughs> and I'll, I'll leave it at that for right now and, and we'll unpack <laughs> it in a little bit. But it's still one of those things that if, if you can get the marriage better, everything else falls into place everything else has better perspective and and it's just one of those keeping it keeping a open lines of communication between husband and wife keeping connection between husband and husband and wife you know fighting for that time together is tremendously important yes absolutely vital so yeah we are going to approach the sticky subject of masturbation once again last week we talked about it from a particular angle of if your spouse has a if your spouse has a much higher sex drive than you, is it okay just to give them the freedom to take matters into their own hands on occasion, just to balance those scales? Right. But also added to the caveat of porn and masturbation. Those two are usually tied together and the goal is right. to not, you know, is to break that tie. Right. There's, there is a big difference between porn and masturbation. Porn has only been around for about uh, 75 years, I think 1952 was really? the year that Playboy was first. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you think about it. There wasn't television or internet True. or even magazines. True. And so okay. porn is, is, is a relatively new thing, yep. but masturbation, you can't tell me that that only started when Playboy started releasing magazines. 
<laughs> masturbation has been going on most likely since the dawn of time. Right. And so I wanted to just challenge all the current or future parents who listen to our show to consider how are you going to talk to your child about masturbation if you haven't already? And if you have already and you've given them misinformation, how are you going to go back and correct that? Okay. Because I think that it's very important that you just be humble and acknowledge that if you've misguided your child, you need to go back and revisit that conversation. That's certainly what happened in my child rearing experience, which we'll talk about in a moment. But I just want to challenge our listeners to consider when is the first time that you recall ever touching yourself down there, quote unquote. I know when you were talking about this, this is what you were telling me to go find. <laughs> I mean, right? Because that's <laughs> Shannon and her correlations, you know. Any, anytime I bring up a topic, I'm just give you insight into the behind the scenes of Sexy Marriage Radio. Anytime we talk about topics, anytime we come up with something, Shannon usually has a song that she correlates to it or something that helps. I think in terms of songs, yeah. I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So for, I mean, for a lot of people, they recall or, or that they don't ever recall not touching themselves. There are a lot of people who they discover what that sensation feels like before they even get out of diapers. And so, you know, for those of you who are listening and thinking, wow, I, I've, you know, did that make me a weird perverted person that I started masturbating before I was even potty trained? No, that makes you a very normal person. But then you have other people, um, and I fall into this category, I didn't know that I could do that to myself until I was like, I want to say at least 18 years old. Okay. Uh, and I had been sexually active for four years. Right. So I grew up, my parents never really told me anything about sex. So I assumed that if you had desires, which kicked in when you're 14, 15 years old, you had to find somebody to satisfy that. Yeah. And I think that it would have been very helpful if my parents had taken the approach of you're going to have desires, but if you ever had to make the choice between involving someone else or just taking care of yourself, then taking care of yourself is probably the much smarter option. Um, but I know that there are a lot of people who get hung up on the morality of this issue. And so I want to harken back to what I'm, I can't fathom. We didn't touch this in the previous episode. This is not mentioned in scripture anywhere. Right. This is not for, this is not a forbidden sin. Right. I think that God knew when he designed us as sexual beings whose sexuality awakens at least by the time we're in puberty, if not before then, uh, that we were going to have these urges and these desires. And I think that there's a reason why it's not expressly forbidden in scripture. So if that's the case, what do we do to our kids when we tell them don't touch yourself ever under any circumstance? Right. So let's start there because yeah. that's, that's one of those, let's set up the scenario of you discover that it's going on. However, yeah. however you discover it, because we hear from lots of parents right. who walked in and lo and behold, their child had their hands in their pants and they, yeah. And it was beyond, the and it was beyond just a shifting well. of things. You know, Say that again. It was beyond just a shifting or a quick yeah. check-in. <laughs> they weren't just playing pocket pool. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> because that because that's one of those things that if you think about it, it it can really throw you off. Mm -hmm. On it's discovering anything that your kid does that's like whoa oh whoa 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 you know and we can immediately overreact 
in things, and that then alters what we could do mm-hmm. with it. And even if you overreact, I will add this addendum. Even if you overreact, it's it's still repairable. Yes. You know, own it, realize it, come back to it, and 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 t- make amends, deal with it in a better way. But the goal is, how can I soothe myself in that moment? Because in this is an interesting style. I don't know if I've ever shared this on on the show, but um, just to set the stage, because I think this is important on self soothing. Because this is because we're talking to parents here. We're not giving information. We're not. This isn't an episode to say, "Hey, get your kids to listen to this one." Yeah, this is not for ten year olds. No, um, but it's it's one of those where there's a book called uh, "Scream Free Parenting." Hal mm-hmm. Runkle is the author, and he's out of Atlanta, and he, in it he shares a story of his son. They were in this old colonial home big grand staircase he comes out of his office and his son who i guess was probably around two at the time was climbing up the stairs on the outside of the banister and was about six eight feet up on the little two inch you know path that's right there on the where the posts are Mm -hmm. and he's just working his way up having a grand old time and if you think about it you walk in on that kind of situation your immediate reaction is to react and respond to to probably hey whoa whoa you know something some sort of gut level just response right but out of that's coming from care, love, concern for their safety and their well-being. But your reaction could startle him and he falls. So your love could cause hurt. Wow. If you think about it. Mm-hmm. So the goal is, and this is what he's unpacking in the, in the, in the chapter, is you got to be able to calm yourself. Just a momentary deep breath, relax. And then he was able to change his tone to, Hey, what are you doing up there, buddy? And he walked up and he grabbed him and brought him down. And they said, how about let's not do that? You know, and then he was able to just kind of talk to him. Then he went in the other room and almost threw up, you know, or whatever. <laughs> just because, because then you kind of get all the whole reaction of everything going on biologically. But it's, that's the goal of whenever you discover anything from your child, where we have those quick responses or quick reactions to the better state statement, we need to recognize, I need to soothe myself first to handle this better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember being in a play group when my kids were little bitty. They, they were all in preschool and the topic came up about, you know, what do you do when you find your child in that situation? Right. And one mom in particular spoke up and said, well, I just tell him that that's not something that we do in public, that if you feel the need to do that, you need to go into your room and close the door. And I remember at the time, you know, I was probably 27 years old. At the time, I remember thinking, whoa, you know, like way too liberal. Like, <laughs> you know, where's the teaching? Where's the, you know, where's the boundaries? But in hindsight, I look back at that conversation and I think that mom was just a lot more mature in her right. understanding of sexuality and right. how children are wired. And I do think that there have been a lot of children who have been scarred well into adulthood based on what their parents or how their parents responded to the whole topic. Like uh, I have clients that I've worked with in the past who, because masturbation wasn't just a topic that wasn't addressed at all. It was addressed from a very negative standpoint. This is not something that you ever do. This would be a sin. This is what you save for your marriage someday. That his attitude was, it was his wife's responsibility to satisfy him anytime he was aroused because it would be a sin for him to masturbate. Right. And he was overlooking the fact that how you're treating your wife with such disdain and anger and resentment and And, bitterness. And property. That's 
the sin. Right. And treating her as property. Yes. And with that entitlement mentality yep. of you owe me this, I provide for you. I you know, do all these things. I help you with the kids. And, and it was almost like, and she picked up on it really fast. Oh, absolutely. She said if he empties the dishwasher, he expects a blowjob. If he, you know, does, if he drops off the kids at school to let me stay at home to take care of things, he expects sex that night. And she said, I almost get to the point that I don't even want to ask him to do anything. Because <laughs> Right. And so it's like, you know, when we trace that back to where did you get the idea that your wife owes you sex every single time you get aroused, it was rooted in, he was taught that masturbation is so sinful. Right. So therefore that's and, his only outlet. And he even used that spiritual, you know, he played the God card on her saying, it's your job to keep me pure by only letting me have sex in the marriage and not, not, you know, having sex by myself. Right. And so both of them are going through major paradigm shifts Yes, in <laughs> much needed paradigm shifts. But I remember uh, the first 10 years of my kids' lives, you know, I probably said certain things that would, you know, discourage that or encourage them to save it. And so it wasn't necessarily discouraging. It was, you know, this is, these are energies that we try to save for our marriage, that this is something that you can look forward to in marriage. But when they reached that puberty point and started developing interest in the opposite sex, for some reason, I just think that my that my compass changed directions, and I think that where I landed is a more accurate picture of true north, for lack of a better okay. expression, is that I what I said to my kids is that nobody should ever be a slave to their desires. Right. It, you know, Paul says that we're not to be a slave to anything. Right. And so the idea is is that hopefully you can tell yourself no far more often than you tell yourself yes. But if you feel the need to tell yourself yes, that is much healthier than going out and finding a, a vulnerable teenage girl or a hairy-legged teenage boy to get them to satisfy you because then you're using and abusing another human being. Right. And you're setting yourself up to do what I did of creating all that sexual and emotional baggage that you do drag into marriage. Yep. And so I think that in a way, the one of the main reasons that my children were able to remain sexually pure all throughout their teen years is because they knew that if they had desires, they could take care of those themselves without guilt or shame about right. that. Right. And so some parents may be, some people may be listening and their toenails are curling. What? She gave her kids permission to masturbate if they need to? Yes, I yes. did. Indeed. Yes, I did. And now they're 20 and 23 years old and they haven't rushed into marriage and they haven't had numerous sexual partners and they don't have a disease and they haven't gotten pregnant or gotten another girl pregnant. And so I, I wouldn't do it any other way. Yeah. Yeah. But I did have to you know, go back and adjust that conversation once I realized that, you know, what, I probably was a little more legalistic and black and white on the topic as I you know, more so than I needed to be and that I needed to reframe it as more of a gray area because it is. It's a very right. gray area. Yeah, absolutely. It is because that's that's one of those. But the thing I love is that parenting is a journey. And so it evolves as we evolve, as they evolve. Yes, as they grow, so do our perspective on things. Right, and because mm -hmm. if you think about it, how many of our listeners? I mean, just to to hit home real quick, how many of you were raised in a family where there, you had multiple brothers and sisters, and you were the youngest, and your parents changed over the years? You were treated differently than your older siblings. Yeah, that's a very common thing, uh -huh. because you know older siblings paved the way <laughs> for how for parenting too mm -hmm. just you know so it's it's recognizing that we will evolve and so 
anytime you're talking about the whole topic of sex and sexuality and masturbation fits into this completely, it's a conversation. It's a dialogue. It's not just a talk. And it's an ongoing right. dialogue. It's not just a plumbing lesson of, right. okay, the long peg goes in the round hole and that's how babies are right. made. And now we're done. Because that's and the I one remember- thing that comes to my mind if, if when you bring up the statement of masturbation is not talked about in scripture. Because the, the feedback, the pushback I get every time I say that is, yeah, but lust is. And so that leads me then to a completely different path. I want to hear yours first. Then I'll share you. Uh, then I'll share mine. Okay, I had a great conversation. It was actually on live television with James and Betty Robinson, and the subject of lust came up. And he said, "Lust is not having a sexual thought. There's right. no way we can keep sexual thoughts from coming into our brain because right. we're wired as sexual human beings." Right. He said, "Lust is having that thought and then going out of your way to try to orchestrate a way to make it happen." Okay. That it's it's being intentional about acting in a so direction. So lust generates action. The, kind yes, of what you're talking the, about. It, okay. Yes, you can. Again, you just you can't keep from having sexy thoughts. Right. That's that's not a sin. Even Jesus had sexual thoughts and feelings. We've said that over and over on the shows about fantasy. Right. Even Jesus had sexual thoughts and feelings because how are you tempted in every way but without without sin? If you never had a thought or feeling in that direction, right? So people who say, "Oh, but you're having sexual thoughts," that's lust. No, it's not. It's just a sexual thought. That's all that it is, well, and it's usually okay. about things you'd never do in a million years, so you would never act out on it. But where people go astray, though, is they start looking for porn right. that illustrates right. those thoughts, and that's where they get hooked. And so the same rule of thumb that applies to masturbation and marriage of you have to divorce it entirely from pornography. I think we definitely need to raise our children with that understanding yeah. is that it's one thing to be a good steward of your own sexual energies. It is another thing to involve images of other people doing sexual right. acts in order to fuel your desire because our desire shouldn't need fueling. The desire is going to be there and we are able to achieve arousal and uh, climax perfectly organically. We don't need an outside source. People have been doing it for centuries. Right. But in today's day and age, the addiction happens when they connect the masturbation with, with some sort of image of those thoughts that okay. go through your head. Okay. That's good. Okay. So I want to hear your take on it. Well, it's just mine is, is going to be very similar, but I'm using it specifically in the context of uh, when you're talking about this with your kid. Of imagine the depth of conversation you can have and the dialogue you can continually have if you can get into thought conversations of, okay, so what you're doing if you're masturbating, okay, that's that's here nor there, whatever. What are you thinking about while you're doing it? Now we're getting to a deeper issue of, mm-hmm. well, I'm thinking about that image I saw. Okay, hold on. Now we got to be careful. And that's where you can kind of parse it all out because lust is one of those things that it can be used in such negative ways because lust is not, it's insatiable. Yes. It's it's not satisfied. Right. Have to have more and and more intensity. And it's usually one way. Mm -hmm. It's not a giving like love. Love is the two way street. Lust is a one way street. Right. And, but if, and this, you and I've had a conversation about this, I think from after one of the sessions you did at AACC of, um, is is lusting after your spouse wrong? <laughs> Absolutely not. Right. And so <laughs> so it's it's recognizing it's all in context. It's all but, in 
but there's, you know, I've written extensively in the Passion Principles and uh, Sexually Confident Wife and Everyone's Marriage about how you, there's really no such thing as lusting after your spouse because lusting is going out of your way to make something happen between you and someone who does not belong to you. Okay. But your spouse does belong to you. And I mean that in the healthy sense right, of the not term. Right, like, not, not, not the, how we started the show. Not the codependent, <laughs> dysfunctional sense of the, not the entitlement sense of the word. But it's impossible to say that a sexual appetite for your spouse is sinful. Right. But people assume that it is because it involves arousal and they assume that arousal is sinful. And that, that goes back to the whole, you know, we grow up with this understanding, especially if we were raised in Christian homes where it either wasn't talked about or it was talked about through a negative light. But what if children were raised in an environment where you're going to have sexual desires kick in at some point. And the thoughts that come into your mind are probably going to be very disturbing to you. But please don't think that this makes you a bad person. Right. Don't act out on them. Harness that sexual energy and keep that contained in your own private personal life until you get married. And then you can share that sexual energy with your spouse. But I do think that kids can grow up in an environment where I'm not saying masturbation should be encouraged. Right. I just don't think that it needs to have that forbidden taboo element yeah. woven into it. Just give them the freedom that whatever they need, whatever they feel the need to do in order to be a good steward of their sexual energies and not hurt other people. Cause that's my number one rule of sexuality that I have taught everybody I've ever spoken to, but especially my kids is with your sexuality, with your sexual energies, do no harm, right? Do no harm. So do not manipulate someone. Do not get somebody drunk at a party and take advantage of them. Do not, uh, you know, become another notch in their belt or, you know, because ultimately that, even though that's what some people think a guy wants, I think that that, in the long run, that hurts him. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he sensitizes your but, that, and I think that also applies to, to be. You know, do no harm to yourself with your sexuality. Yes, because think of it. That's that's one of the things that's interesting to me is masturbation is one of those. It's it's predominantly a male thing, but. I know, I know females, it, it, it's a female thing too. I don't know. See, if here, just... Here's the thing. Every woman who's ever come to me crying, confessing masturbation, that's what they've been told is it's, it's a pretty... guy thing. Oh, well, that's fair. And so they thank feel you. so weird. Thank you. Okay. That, thank you yeah, for changing it. It's not that. just a guy thing. It's a human thing. There you go. I like that. But a lot of what I think has happened with masturbation is it gets tied to anxiety and it's a, it's a, it's a way to medicate, which means you're not using control. You're just trying to find relief and it's yes. not sexual desire relief. It's anxiety relief. There's a huge difference. That's a good point. Between those two. Cause if we're talking about with a child or with a teenager with hormones raging and just kind of an exploration. Okay. That's a, that's as natural as it could be in a sense of that's just part of a biological thing. But a lot of what happens is, is it becomes a way to unwind. It becomes a way to feel love. So I'll practice a little self-love. It comes the way, right. you know, whatever. And it's, and it's that slippery slope of, I'm not quite sure. And that's where this then leads straight into it's a dialogue. It's a constant, right. okay, hold on. How is this unfolding in your life? And this is also kind of a, as, as to our listeners, how is this unfolding in your life, not just your yes. kids? Yeah, because we acknowledge that this is something that when given, if you give yourself too much freedom in this regard, it can certainly consume you. Yeah. Um, I actually had a, he was a CEO of a very large organization 
and he admitted that he had been so addicted to masturbation his entire life ever since he can remember and he said he knew that it was a problem when he would have to skip out on college classes and chapel services yeah. at the Christian college he attended to go back to his room to masturbate and he said five times a day was not unusual right and so you know he had to look at what am i medicating here absolutely before he could ever be a healthy marriage partner yep. and sex partner and so we acknowledge that certainly it can grow to the point that now you're not owning your sexual energies they're owning you right and that's why i go back to as long as you are exercising spiritual discipline sexual discipline that you're able to say no to yourself far more often than you're saying yes to yourself but i think that if you if you have the mentality of i have to say no to myself every time in every single way that sexual energies are like biscuit dough in a can right that the least little crack means it's going to come oozing out yep. and the prime illustration we have of that in our society right now is the josh duger thing you know raised in a family ultra conservative christian to the point that sex you know all things sexual were so so you know painted in a, a very dark right. light right and here we here we learned that there was actually you know incest going on in the in the, in the home between the siblings and yep. and so you know, again it's just an illustration that when the pendulum swings too far to the right, right. It's going to swing back to the left really hard and really far, and there has to be a healthy middle ground where we give our kids permission to be sexual beings as if they as if they couldn't. You right, know, it's, it's right. like there's no way that they can't be a sexual being. It's it, it would be like telling them don't breathe, don't eat, don't sleep. Right. Because our brains are wired for food, drink, sleep, and sex. Yep. So they're going to have sexual desires. But to make a way for them to cope with those and be a good steward of that energy without crossing lines into hurting other people, I just think that that is a parent's responsibility. Yeah. That how many people would actually say, my parents had really open, honest conversations with me. They gave me very clear boundary lines. I knew that I could go and have this two-way conversation with them anytime I felt the need to. I don't know of very many people on the planet at all who can say that about their parents. Yeah. yeah. But so hopefully our listeners children will be able to tell a different story yeah so let, let's let's end on that um because you are a, a pretty prolific writer so what what is out there that parents can use as tools because they could be because when i hear the duggar story and the normal human reaction story of things that you know 180 degrees from crazy is just another form of crazy <laughs> so we've got to figure out to not go complete 180s we got to, yeah. you know we got to shift it and just be more neutral in the sense of centered yes and and uh, there's two books that come to my mind right off the bat because it's what i use go for it that, go for it what do you use and this is this is with my kids so mm -hmm. you know 10 and 8 that the first one um we started at birth with with both of them was where did i come from mm -hmm. and it's peter maley i believe uh but just amazon where did I come from? You'll find it. It's, you know, multiple millions of copies have been sold of mm -hmm. this thing. And it's all anatomically correct illustrations and drawings. Yes. So they're cartoon, but it's straightforward. They then did a follow-up called What's Happening to Me, which is for the ages of eight to on, you know, through puberty. And, mm -hmm. and we've done that as soon as uh, at both of my kids' eighth birthday, that's when that's when that book was now brought into the the circle and both in, in the what, what's happening to me does talk about masturbation periods, wet dreams, 
And those are specific things chapters that are in there. Yeah, things that are chat. There, there's there are two pages, three pages on each of those, mm -hmm. and it's just straightforward. And that's the thing I love about it. That's great. Is they don't add judgment to it. They just are straightforward information. You add you add the value. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So the books that I would recommend are, um, you know, Fred Stoker and Steve Arterburn wrote the Every Man's Battle series, and they did one called Every Young Man's Battle yep. for 13 to 19 year olds. And then they did Preparing Your Son for Every Man's Battle for dads or parents to read with their eight to 12 year old sons. Okay. And I was privileged to do the female corollary to that series. So Every Young Woman's Battle, again, is for teenage and early college age. And then Preparing Your Daughter for Every Woman's Battle is for parents to read with their eight to 12 year olds. Uh, opening lines of communication, yep. letting your kids know that you can ask me anything on this topic. If I don't know the answer, we'll figure it out together, but you don't have to go to the internet. You right. don't have to surf for answers. You don't have to ask your peers who don't know much more than you do. But the topic of masturbation is definitely a topic that you don't assume that you don't need to bring this conversation up until they're old enough to date. Cause chances are they've already discovered that. Right. They've already discovered that and they're either feeling wretchedly guilty about it or there are many children who will, you know, they will admit they are full-blown addicts already uh, because they have associated it to porn. It has developed a very addictive element to it. Right. They do use it to medicate their pain, to withdraw. They feel horrible about themselves. Let's not let our kids fall into that category. Right. Let's don't ever let them feel bad about their sexuality. Right, because that's the whole thing of living in a fallen world <laughs> things, things that were intended for good can be used for bad. It's Satan's favorite area and, to attack. And one of the biggest tools we can have to combat that is our own perception of it, and our own teaching of it, and our own living of it. And that's the whole—that's the whole thing of Sexy Marriage Radio is we want to be an advocate towards fantastic sex, which is kind of a misnomer swimming against the stream in society, which is sad. Mm -hmm. But that can change, and it changes because of our listeners. Yes. Because you guys tell us that, man, here's what's going on in my life. Here's what's happening. Yes. Well, and, and putting those bumper stickers on their yep. car, the Sexy Marriage Radio bumper stickers, passing out these postcards to friends, posting things on Facebook, sharing our link yep. on your social media sites. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Please keep that up. Yes, please do. And so anything we can do that we've missed, let us know. Feedback at SexyMarriageRadio.com. We'll see you next time. We love you for listening. <laughs>